Dan Price is a name you might or might not be familiar with. He founded the credit card processing company Gravity Payments and made headlines when he raised the minimum salary for employees of his company to $70,000 while lowering his own wage to the same amount from its previous $1.1 million. Naturally, this seemed to go against the winner-take-all mindset of much of global business and undoubtedly raised the ire of those who feel that employment should remain more like indentured servitude than an opportunity for growth. A few years later, Gravity Payments is still doing well. As his pinned tweet says, revenue has tripled and his employees were able to buy homes. So it was certainly pleasing to see a tweet from Dan Price in March of 2022 about how work can get done these days. The tweet reads like this. Quote, as a CEO, here's my work from home policy. If you get your work done, that's all that matters. What do I care where you work? End quote. Hello and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. Each of our Cool Time Life podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity, technology and life, and each offers ideas and facts you need to know about to thrive in today's busy world. An index of our podcasts is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast link. In just the same way that Mr. Price has led by example in terms of paying employees a realistic wage in exchange for their skills, so too is he demonstrating that the work being done does not need the physical presence or dominance of management to happen. This is a concept further echoed by my friend and colleague Jack Skeels, who for many years has been an ardent proponent of what he calls the PODS method of teamwork, which states that in many situations a self-directed team is more able to collaborate naturally without a manager, and in fact the presence of a manager tends to only slow progress and stifle creativity. Now, this concept is not universal to every situation, of course. A company that finds itself leaderless would soon dissolve into chaos, or, more likely, a natural leader would emerge, as they always do. It's human nature. Classic novels like Animal Farm and Lord of the Flies show just how natural it is for leaders to emerge. But the idea, though, is not to have no leaders, but to have less local leadership. It is typical for organizations as they grow into adulthood and middle age to develop a thick layer of administrative fat, especially in the form of a disproportionate number of managers to workers. This again tends to contribute proportionally less in terms of output and productivity. If you want to hear more about the conversations that Jack and I have had on this topic, by the way, check out his podcast at theartof.management. That is the URL, theartof.management, especially episodes 8 and 9 where he and I get into it pretty good. The reason I bring this up now is because we are at the start of a new era in which the company has been given a chance to reset itself, specifically in the form of remote work. The idea of employees being able to collaborate from anywhere using a virtual space has put a great many managers on edge as they struggle with the idea of whether they can trust their employees and also how they, as managers, are going to fit in. When successful New Era entrepreneurs like Dan Price show that it can be done, it's a refreshing proof of concept that shows, yes, if your interest is truly the success of your department, then it should not matter where, when, and how employees get their work done, so long as it gets done. This hands-off approach to management means that managers whose first reaction is to not be able to trust their employees should probably think more about the types of people they should hire going forward in that self-motivation and trustworthiness should emerge as leading talents for the job. Perhaps work, to this point, has been a vicious circle. 
The millions of people who join a workforce with the greatest intentions of doing a great job find themselves quickly hemmed in by the politics and pressures of a culture intent on supporting a management-focused status quo rather than truly seeking to innovate and outpace its competitors. The idea of putting employees first in more than just lip service is probably best illustrated by the efforts of mega-entrepreneur Richard Branson, who has been building successful companies since the 1970s and who has become a passionate promoter of employee self-advancement. When asked once why he, or any manager at any organization, should invest money in training and development for employees when they could simply take all that learning then quit and go work for somebody else, Branson is quoted as saying, quote, You should train employees well enough that they could leave, but you should treat them well enough that they won't want to. End quote. Frankly, most employees do want to do good work. They want to pursue the dream of earning enough to buy a house and build some security. They take pride in their achievements and seek to grow and learn more. Yes, there are always a few bad apples around that abuse the trust, and sadly they seem to set the bar of expectation for all other employees. If I can't trust one, the sentiment goes, then I can't trust any of them. This then seems to have become a vicious circle indeed. Managers who feel that they must oversee their employees rather than inspire them leads to a culture where the people who get hired are the type who need to be overseen. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Evidence of this prophecy can be seen by two trends, one old and one new. The old one is an adage that has been around for a while. People don't quit their jobs, they quit their managers. Think about it, an employee who has gone through years of schooling and professional growth to land a job in their chosen field, or one that they have discovered to be their chosen field, are generally unlikely to choose to leave it in a hurry. There's usually much more of a different reason, and that is often the toxic relationship with their manager. You could argue, of course, that some people leave because they get a better offer from a rival. That does happen. But then you have to ask yourself, what exactly makes that offer better? Is it more money? You have to ask, if an employee is worth more to that other organization, then why aren't they being paid that amount at their current company? Besides, you only have to read the reviews of the best places to work on sites like Glassdoor to show that money is seldom the sole deciding factor in choosing where to work or where to stay working. It's more often about a culture of respect and support in which individuals are given the leeway to grow professionally and seek that lofty goal of self-actualization. That can be much more appealing than money. I said earlier that there were two trends here. And the second is still ongoing. It's called the Great Resignation. A profound increase in the number of people leaving their jobs in the last couple of years simply because it seems no longer worth it. The pressures of COVID, the need to care for kids or elder parents during times of lockdown, but also the cost of the commute, these types of things became more glaringly obvious when contrasted with the fact that for many people, work could actually be done at home. Almost everyone has to find a job somewhere, but when so many people decide that the cost of their current job is no longer worth it in such large numbers, not all of the blame can be placed on COVID. The Great Resignation had a dual ripple effect. The so-called knowledge workers, whose jobs consisted mostly of interacting with a computer and a phone, saw that, yes, their type of work could be done from anywhere. Many others, who used their knowledge in areas such as nursing, simply burned out and retired in droves. The point is that people in large numbers are on the move and are discovering that life can be more than a commute to and from an office five days a week. Some recognize that the times now make it possible to open a business that fits their dreams and their passions. More, however, will realize that they have more of a choice in the places or methods by which they work for a company. These choices include where, when, and how work gets done. And that brings me back to the comment by Dan Price. 
If you get your work done, that's all that matters. What do I care where you work? Such liberty coming from a manager speaks volumes about the nature of FaceTime versus output. The former is not as necessary so long as the latter is achieved. Imagine what this means for all the people who do not fit into the traditional mold of the 9-to-5 employee. The night owl, for example. The single parent. Those with alternate abilities, physical or intellectual, and those who simply feel that a career should be much more than a 50-year commitment to enrich others at the cost of one's own livelihood. Again, the point is, most of us have to work to make a living, but for too many, the term living has had the life bleached out of it, and it simply means the ability to pay the bills for one more week. The energy and drive to do good work remains in people, and I'd be willing to suggest that even many of these so-called bad apples who seem to frame some managers' perceptions of all employees are bad because they don't fit the job they have been assigned to. No one has stopped to see where their true passions lie. So they either leave to pursue those passions elsewhere, or they stay to fulfill the prophecy of low-motivation employees that managers fear. The positive that comes out of all of this is that the manager, as a term, as a title, has an opportunity to be redefined to better align with the truth of today, which is that to manage output by fully leveraging the individual skills of each employee is what is now primary. This aligns with the reality of our already digitally transformed economy that we no longer have a mass of people. We have individuals. People as consumers have learned to expect personalized experiences in their shopping, entertainment, and even in more traditional areas like banking. It's no longer a customer base. It's about an audience of individuals, an audience of one. Companies, too, consist of individuals, meaning that this type of management, this new type of management, focusing on output will require more, not less, focus on employees, but with the necessity of learning more about them as individuals, their specific needs, abilities, working styles, working hours, motivations, and fears. This might lead to innovative ideas around hiring, for example, in which a person can be hired into a company because their personality fits the culture, and not just simply to fill a vacancy on the line. It is very possible for a position to be created for such an individual once it is evident that their style, their personality, their being, is a good fit. Similarly, it can lead to new techniques around onboarding in which new hires are given the opportunity to observe the workings of the entire company from reception desk right through to loading dock and meet people at every position. This helps give them a wider perspective on the workings of the business rather than simply, here's your desk and here's where the washrooms are. There are many people who will disagree with these types of ideas and they will have their reasons for doing so, many of which cluster around the perception of power rather than any sense of collective well-being. For some, that has to do with their own fears of being surpassed and possibly even being replaced by the employees that they must now be nice to. Once again, everything comes down to fear, and most specifically of all, the fear of losing one's own job. Hopefully, the actions of Dan Price, successful entrepreneur and CEO who does not need to worry about where an employee chooses to work, that same Dan Price who pays everyone, including himself, a salary of 70000 a year and was called crazy for doing this, hopefully others will start to see that business can evolve to match the workings of the digitally transformed economy in which technology is helping people be the people they are, their own style of learning, working and living. A place where the company can be onboarded to match the employee, rather than the other way around. So, there you have it, my little podcast on making a case for just getting it done wherever and however it works for you. 
If you have a comment about this podcast, you can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com, where you'll also find my social media links. A full listing of past episodes is available at steveprentice.com slash podcast. I try to keep the episodes evergreen so that the concepts do not get dated too quickly, so check them out and download whatever feels good. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe and leave a review, and please just tell one more person about this podcast. And if you want, you can now pre-order my new book, which has more to say on this subject. Just go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and search for The Future of Workplace Fear. It will be released in May 2022. Until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Stay safe, and thanks for listening.